If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Our guest today is Jonna McLean. We've talked to Jonna McLean before on 042 and absolutely delighted to have him back again with all the work that he does with foal handling, breaking, starting weedlings and also working with problem horses. Today we're going to talk about 10 points about the initial foal handling, which I'm sure everyone, you know, it's a very important topic and very important step in the life of a horse. So how are you today, Jonna? I'm very well, thank you, Glenn. It's nice to speak to you again and welcome to all the listeners. Good to talk to you too. Now, Jonna, we've got five preparations and five steps. So, you know, it's 10 points to remember. So can we talk initially about the preparation to train the foal? We want to train the foal safely and ethically, but what sort of preparation do we need for the mare or equipment or anything to get this done? I think the most important part about getting a successful outcome to occur from, as you said, a safety and an ethical outcome is really make sure that we have appropriate facilities. Mm-hmm. And that could be a, a foal box or could be just a stable that does depend on the size of the horse, of course, or it could be a square yard or just somewhere where the horses are originally content that it's not a completely unfamiliar surrounding. Okay. Okay. So somewhere that's safe, somewhere where the foal's mm-hmm. not going to get restless or injured, you know? Yeah. Or injured, exactly, exactly. Mm, mm. And of course, it needs to be obstacle free. And if we can possibly try and move the foal and the mare into there without a huge amount of excitement, that's always going to make the job easier as well. What sort of preparation do we need for the mare before we start to handle the foal? That's a million dollar question. <laughs> Control of the mare will most likely infect the foal. So if mm. we think about what the mare tries to do, and the mare will be really worried because somebody's touching my baby. And as we all know, some mares are very, very protective. So we need to spend some time in practicing the maneuvers that will enable us to be able to control the mare, therefore keep the foal quieter because it's a double-edged sword. If we let the mare run around and call out, then the foal will go with mum. So the more preparation we can do in terms of control of the mare, so really making sure that we can have the mare to be able to stand and go and turn and be manoeuvrable in a reasonably small area without any excitement. So this needs to be practiced probably before the mare has the foal, but if it's, that is impossible, try and do that as quietly and as possible as you can in a suitable area like a stable so we can manoeuvre the mare really accurately and mm-hmm. that will enable us to get close to the foal without the foal being worried and the mother being worried. I remember from your other interview, you know, something that you said was about horses having good buttons in all directions, but it really goes through for the mare as well, doesn't it? You know, the mare's got to have good buttons in all directions, so you can push her around and manoeuvre her around to keep her in the right spot. Well, that's right, and exactly, Linus. And I mean, at the end of the day, we still have to do our feet, we still have to drench her, we still have to give her vaccinations, we still have to monitor her on a daily basis and without those buttons we are putting ourselves at risk and others 
So mm. that's mm. absolutely right. Okay. Now we talked about the right place before the right place so it's safe, so the foal can't escape, so the foal's not going to be injured. What about the appropriate gear? Yes, that isn't always easy. For the mare, it's fine because we all know what size the head collar will be for the mare and whether she does the rearing bit or whether she needs some sort of other special gear. But for the mare, it's probably going to, I would like to think it will end up just being a halter and a lead rope and that the handler obviously has their PPE on. They have um, a helmet and gloves and boots, especially mm-hmm. for buzzer handlers. But for the foal, it's really going to be a head collar it is easy to do up and undo. So when you undo the buckles, it doesn't scare the foal. When you do them up, it doesn't scare them. Um, it's easy to click the lead rope on and off, etc. And you can assemble the head collar of the foal without even looking at the head collar itself. So because you are studying or you're trying to maintain the foal in a certain place, so the last thing you need to be doing is taking your eyes off the foal and fiddling with gear. So preparing and rehearsing and practicing how you're going to go about this. So Mm -hmm. the right gear is essential. Okay, okay. All right, now we've talked about the right gear, the right place, but that's like obstacles free. What about the safe, calm environment? Can you speak about that? Probably and I think we've all heard stories about this where somebody was either handling the horse and something spooked the horse or the mm-hmm. horses and then somebody got injured. Being able to control the wider environment, i.e. other horses running around because we're now just taking a mare and a foal out of the herd or out of a paddock and every horse on the farm will know about it. Often when you have horses, you have dogs, being able to make sure that the dogs are not going to disrupt or create some sort of circumstance or conditions that will make the horses run children with toys, people arriving and departing, people driving past, so controlling your wide environment, actually control the wider environment so nothing left field is left to the gods, so to speak. Mm, mm, mm. All right. Is there anything else we need to do in preparation then before we actually go on to the steps of actually touching the foal? Probably just to make sure that there's nothing you're going to over because sometimes you might have to walk backwards. So making sure you have good control of not just your head collar and your lead ropes, but there's no feed bins in the corner. There's no mm-hmm. water buckets. There's no obstacles in the environment. Yep. And preferably dust-free too. Oh, dust-free, yes, yes. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. Now, can we start now with the steps to um, to start to handle the foal? Because you said earlier that you want the foal to always give you the right answer. So, uh, you know, if we if we can have it so the foal, if you want to talk a little bit about the foal giving you the right answer and what the story is behind that, you know, because thinking back, you know, we've all had lots of experiences and, and even just watching, you know, the Wild West and, <laughs> and sort of lassoing the Mustangs and, and things like that and all the cowboy movies. But talking now about a way of training where the foal gives you the right answer, it's not just throw the lasso on and get them down on the ground and, you know, tie up their legs or anything like that. But what's this about the foal giving the right answer? What's the theory behind that? 
The theory behind that is that you get whatever you practice. So it's a pretty easy thing to understand. Whatever you practice, you get better at. That's what practice is all about. Mm -hmm. So if we can make sure that we have really another good question and it's a really important point here is that if we can always get control of the mare's legs and the foal's legs, especially the foal because that's what we're training, and we can get the foal's legs to do what we want, where we want, how we want, offer really light pressure, it will be the setup for an absolutely marvellous horse Mm. that everybody will wish to handle because it all becomes very predictable. But when we allow unpredictability to sneak into the scenario, then, of course, the horse gets scared and whatever profits escape, it will practice from then on. It only takes one or two repetitions of escape and the horse will then choose the same answer again and that's Mm -hmm. what we don't want. Mm -hmm. All right, so what about the first interaction we have with touching the foal? So we've got our mare maybe parked against the wall with her bottom in the corner mm-hmm. and she's standing there quite happily, probably being scratched or rubbed by the handler or just standing quietly. And then the foal will choose to go up and probably suckle the mare. And if it's to the near side, that means that the foal will be facing one handler with its bottom and have its head under the other of the mare. So that will present the offside to the mare. So depending on whether the foal is actually really more comfortable being approached from the near side or the offside, Generally speaking, there'll be one favourite side of the other, and then the initial handlings of the mare, you'll observe that. But if we can have the foal touching the mare with as much of its body as possible, it won't mind you then touching its, let's say, at the nape of its neck, where mum grooms it is really all the areas you want to start with. So you're basically just mimicking what mum does. And she'll be nuzzling the foal's bottom and its loins and across mm. its back and up its wither and at the nape of its neck and giving it a bit of a rub until it's actually quite happy to be there, making sure that, you know, everybody is away from the kicking zone. We have to be careful because now we have two things that could be a problem. The handler could get bitten by the mare. We could get kicked by the foal. We can get bitten by the foal because we haven't secured the foal yet. So we want to just try and make those really gentle and quiet and make our movements really nice and slow. So just getting used to all the tactile inputs that mum does and mimic that on both sides first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you said before about the foals having a preference. So do you mean they'll suckle as a preference on one side or they will put? Yep. So is that the side then that, that you initially handle? Exactly. And that's why I said that's what we need to be observant when we're first handling the mare. Mm. The foal will choose preferably um, an S or an offside suckle depending on on the foal and depending on the mare too. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So then you handle them one side. Do you want to talk about then the next step, which is handling the other side? Yes. So the other side, then you can do the other side um, by handling the other side. And all we're really doing is habituating the foal to seeing you out of the near side eye and the offside eye. So then you can reposition the mare and then park her now her near side against the wall. So only the offside is exposed and the foal will go to that side. And then that gives you the opportunity then to handle the near side of the foal. So we can do it that way. Mm-hmm. And then the next part really is really making sure that then we can ultimately scratch the foal everywhere where we're going to handle him or her by putting a hand underneath their neck and maybe around their bottom and we can turn them around. And when we turn them around, we're not going to turn them towards us. We're going to turn them so their head is towards mum. So we're not going to try and make the foal turn towards the handler. 
we're going to try and get the foal to turn around to mum. And it's, if you imagine this like a big cradle, your arms are just a cradle underneath the neck where the neck and brisket are, and then with your right hand around their bottom, and then they get used to being turned around one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And so that then it switches. And so that's your initial very first point of saying, okay, I would like you to do this. I would like to turn you around. Yep. And the best way to do this is actually if the foal then turns towards mum. So both the horses are in the same direction, and then you cradle the foal, and then you basically just encourage with your right hand to turn the foal's shoulders, its head, and its neck to the right. So then it goes back into the suckling position, and then it's immediately rewarded for turning around and being cradled. So it associates it with something really positive. So it's not concerning to the foal at all. That's what I mean by setting it up so well. Yes, so the foal can only give us the right answer because if they get a fright, if they get worried, they want to turn around and go towards mum anyway. So you've already got them going towards mum. Yep, yep. That's right. Okay. And then once that happens quite predictably, then turning them around the other way is not going to be a problem. Mm, mm, mm. So you said that's your first initial handling, you know, you're touching them one side, going all over, touching them the other side, turning them towards mum. What happens then? What do you do there? And this is probably the most critical phase when I was saying before about handling your gear and making sure you become so familiar with your gear, Mm. you can assemble your lead rope and your head collar with the foal without looking at it. Because now what we're going to do is we're not going to worry about a lead rope, but we wish to place the head collar on the foal. So in the handling, what we'd like our hands to be doing is to be mimicking what we're putting putting the head collar on the foal. So the nose first, if you like, or you can do it the other way around if you like to do it the other way around. It really doesn't matter, but mimic what the approach is going to be and also all the places where the head collar will touch has already been touched by your hand. Over the nose, which is a bit sensitive and a bit scary for them, over the top of the nose once it's placed and then over behind their ears for the pole strap. So we're mimicking all of that from the near side because mm-hmm. most head collars are done up on the near side. And then that's what we do. We just mimic it three or four times and then put the head collar in, pass it up to your right hand and with your left hand, place the, you know, foals nearly always put their head up to avoid the halter. So what you do is you just hold the nose piece a little higher than their nose and when they put their nose up, (laughs) then they actually put their nose straight into the nose piece Mm -hmm. and then you do up the pole strap. Mm-hmm. And then you do it up and then you go back to rubbing again and, and then turn the horse around and cradle it around and then say, right, now have a little suckle with the head collar on. Yep, yep. And again, you're manoeuvring that foal towards the mare. So they again, yep. Yep. always giving you the right answer. Yeah. Exactly. And hopefully out of all of this management and this practicing, I've not had a single footfall from either the mare, but most importantly from the foal, mm. that any footfalls that would be concerning anybody's safety at all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that rebonding with the mare, that's sort of happening through the process or do you have a certain time then? You know, just to go back to rebond, you know, just to go back and have a suckle. And then that's right. And that's also something that we also need to be concerned with is not only going back for a suckle, but now that we've got the head collar on, that's okay. Give them a little bit of a break. Go and have a cup of tea yourself. <laughs> you know, these are might only be five or ten minute periods, but mm. those periods of consolidation and rest mean that the foal then can have a little bit of a rest time so then they can continue giving you the right answer. So, you know, it's just spoon feeding little responses at a time, little favourable responses at a time and have a little break. Yeah. yeah. All right then. Jonathan, I think that's very good. I think that's giving everyone a really good clear understanding 
you know, and just all the little things you said, you know, like having it so the mayor's controllable. She's the one that's allowing you to go forward, backwards, sideways, you know, just to manoeuvre, to push around. And also too, you know, making sure the foal has got a visual from both eyes. So by the time he's ridden, he's used to seeing different people in different directions. And I think hopefully someone's been listening to this, bred a horse, got young foals, and that will give them a bit more of an idea and an understanding so they can then go go on and create some really good horses. And um, I know you've got, you know, we're, we're going to have you back a few times sort of putting people back through this process, you know, so if, if people are really interested in this preparation of young horses to carry on with this series with Jonna, that would be great. And thanks again, Jonna, for coming today and hope to see you back again very soon. No, well, I look forward to look, Lance. Thank you very much. And I'm really looking forward to the next discussion because the next discussion is probably one of the most rewarding ones, and that's when we get the first to hook up the lead rope and the very first steps of leading take place because that's the most marvellous time. That's probably one of the things that I enjoy the most. Oh, good, good. And I think, again, that's going to be very beneficial to um, you know people who are sort of listening and we can give them some ideas there. That'll be good. Thank you very much, Glennis. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses, or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below 